This is episode 133 with Sarah Tumay. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I Swimmer Forever athlete and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time. Today is one of those conversations. We're joined by Sarah, founder of Tahum Nutrition and former Turkish soccer national team member. Prior to founding Tahum, Sarah worked as the performance intern for the Cleveland Browns and more recently as the Olympic sports performance dietitian at UCLA. Through Tahum, she helps individuals and small businesses excel through food nutrition and wellness strategies. And we dive in today to all things nutrition, specifically how we can eat better to affect and improve our cognitive ability. We also explore how habits and decisions around food can affect both physical and mental performance. And finally, Sarah shares strategies you can really implement into your life to fine tune and optimize your nutrition, no matter where you're currently at from a baseline standpoint. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to share with you a unique opportunity to become a founding member of a new program, More Than Movement, that I've created through Forever Athlete. The program is designed to help you reduce overwhelm professionally and personally by optimizing your body and your mind, taking you from revving your engine with little to no traction to becoming an unstoppable force of flow by optimizing your nervous system. At this point, you know the benefits of being in flow, and we've talked more about productivity being increased, more time in your life for the things that actually matter to you. As a founding member, you get access to this program at a one-time discounted rate and network to other founding members in one-on-one coaching. Head on over to foreverathletela.com to learn more about how you can become a founding member today. And with that, let's dive into this conversation with Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the Athletic Mindset. Excited to dive in, talk all things soccer, nutrition, and just get to know you a little bit better here today. But First and foremost, how are you feeling? How's everything on your end? It's great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, of course. So I want to start off with, you know, your athletic background yourself. You played at a very, very high level soccer, but how did you find the sport? When did you first get introduced? And when did you first, like, I don't know, just get excited about playing? Yeah, I, uh, I think I started late for kind of what the average um, the average is here in the States for for women's soccer in general. But I was very active growing up. I was um, always kind of like in the neighborhood playing with all the kids, um, all the neighbors in, in around me. And so played tennis from tennis to basketball to even like street hockey. I played for for a little bit just because that's what um, they were playing around me and um, running right track, like all these things. And uh, my dad, my both my parents are Turkish. And so the culture in Turkey is very, very revolved around soccer. And uh, he would spend his weekends watching Turkish soccer or just soccer in general, but um, he's a fanatic for, for his team there. So he wouldn't miss a game and he'd be like screaming at the TV and all this stuff. So I kind of sat and watched with him a few times and I liked it. And um, he would, him and I would kind of just like kick a ball around in the house. And then he was like, well, let's, I mean, you seem to like it. Right. So let's see, let's see what you got. So sign me up for a rec team and in my, in my County, and uh, went to the first game and I was, I, rem- I will never forget, I uh, had cleats, but I didn't have shin guards and I found out I needed shin guards like right before the game. So we went to sports authority at the time we went, we got uh, little shin guards and I was late to the game. The coach, it was my first game. I was late, um, sat on the bench and then the coach put me in 
And I just ran, I got the ball and I just was like dribbling by people, ran and scored a goal. And everyone's like, why, why weren't you on the team sooner? Like <laughs> I just fell in love with it. Like that first game I remember. And uh, after that, I only played on that rec team for half a season and then joined a club team um, near my house. And then uh, obviously took it way more seriously, played in high school, got recruited, played at NYU and then um, played on the Turkish national team um, a little bit as well. And yeah, I mean, it's even to this day, it's obviously I'm no longer playing competitively, but I'll just if I see a soccer ball, I'm just drawn to it. Right. I just go. I'll start juggling, kicking around or, or messing around with it. I feel like that's the like one thing I'm so jealous of soccer players is that ability to just pick up a ball and like start juggling no matter what. It's like it doesn't matter where you are. Like you can you can quote unquote show off to people be like, hey, look, yeah, like I played soccer at a high level. You just don't get that in swimming. It's not like I was just gonna say you swam, right? That's that's tough to do. (laughs) You can't just jump in any pool you see and kind of start doing your thing. People are like, it looks like he's trying a little too hard, and that's exactly (laughs) what it would be. (laughs) Um, I love that you know, throwback to sports authority too. Like right, right. I miss it. (laughs) Obviously, it sounds like now in life you take preparation a lot more seriously than learning about um getting shin guards about five minutes before the game starts yeah Um, yeah definitely I would I like think I still have PTSD from that so like whenever I went to games I would double check triple check my bag like made sure I had my socks like went through my from cleats to to headband made sure I had everything in my bag um yeah so I'm glad that happened to you early in your career though so you like got that out of the way um that happened to me one time my freshman year of college going to conferences it, we traveled to it it was at the university of maryland and i remember getting down there and i realized in my haste to pack everything i totally forgot underwear for the entire week and i like called wow. up my parents thankfully they live 10 minutes from university of maryland and i was like hey like i'm gonna teach you to grab me some no so um i learned my lesson probably about 15 years after when you learned yours but hey you know we're here it now happens. everyone needs it exactly. what was what was it like to come full circle and play for the turkish national team when obviously that was like a huge part of your dad's life and something that you know he cared very deeply about how cool was that to come full circle yeah, he, I could tell he was definitely proud. Um, I was super excited, nervous, obviously, right? It's, I mean, a completely different environment. Um, the, the level is different, but also, I mean, you're in a completely different uh, place. Like, we would go to Turkey every summer when I, like, while I was growing up, but um, I never lived there for, uh, I was born and raised in, in Florida, so here, and so I, uh, never lived there for an extended period of time. So it was like even hard. I remember like I speak Turkish fluently, but there was some the slang, right. That the, the girls would say, or just like soccer talk on the field. I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. So it was kind of a little adjustment period. Um, but also just the way that, I mean, the organization worked, obviously I played, I played um, D3 soccer and it was very competitive, but just like the level of, just the details that went into the entire camp um and and like 
every part of it was so well thought out right it's like the, the food prep obviously we'll, we'll get into the nutrition but that that was something that really stuck out to me um and and like the talks that the team talks that we would have and all these things were just so different than kind of what I was accustomed to and I don't know if that's you know just being in a different country or if that's just the the level the level of uh the play yeah I mean you mentioned it very briefly there the food prep was that kind of your first introduction into hey maybe I want to take this dietetics thing and nutrition thing to another level and like really speak sparked your interest in it not even another level that's when I really that's when it was first introduced to it which is crazy okay. so I played um my what was it junior senior year of high school was the first time mm-hmm. and before that I mean I knew right I would like have my parents tell me kind of how to eat maybe and then my coach would tell me things to avoid before a game and then stuff that I read or stuff that, you know, my, my teammates would do, but we never had anyone come and talk to us about nutrition or performance or anything like that at the club or high school level. And so I, um, I didn't know that field even existed Mm. and not even sports nutrition, but I didn't know like nutrition was a thing, right. I was always really interested in the sciences. So I wanted to do pre-med. Um, I did end up doing pre-med in college um, wanted to work with athletes my whole life. I knew that's the career path I wanted to take, but, um, I didn't know that nutrition would really stick out to me, but with that first camp we went to, I went to, um, they had a staffed sports dietitian on like on the team at all times. She would obviously be there in, during all the meal times, but also would sit and watch the practices and, and things like that. And I was like, who, like, what is your, what is your role kind of? So got to talking to her a little bit more um, and then ended up going to college. And I still had that kind of on the back of my mind, but still nobody came like no joke. Nobody came and talked to us um, at the, at the college level either. And so I uh, kind of like slipped my mind and I was like, I'm kind of interested in nutrition. So I started to explore it a little bit more. And then the next time I went, um, to camp with the team, I, uh, was really passionate about it. Right. I saw, I started to see changes in my own performance and kind of mm-hmm. how I was feeling, um, on and off the field. So, uh, went back and I actually started minoring in nutrition. Um, I announced my minor, I think it's my sophomore year. Um, but still wanted to do pre-med. I didn't, I still just didn't know that like there was an entire field in that. Um, because it is very new and it is is growing pretty quickly, but it's it's on the newer side. So um, at the time, that wasn't even um, a thought. And then after I graduated, sat for I like I, I took my MCAT, was applying to med schools, and all my mentors that I kind of interned with throughout college, they were like, "You're way more interested in the prevention side and like the sports nutrition side of things. So maybe I mean that is something you can explore." So I went back and got my master's in nutrition and exercise physiology, and uh, that obviously started my my sports nutrition career yeah I love that journey I think for a lot of people it's like when you reach a certain physical state it's like all right like training any harder isn't going to make that marginal difference like now we start to look to these other areas especially at the uh, pro level that you've worked at now as well and it's like obviously nutrition stands out and mental performance mindset stands out as those two kind of different areas. It's like, all right, there's some hidden gems here. Like let's, let's focus on one of these. And that's why I'm excited about where this is going. 
what have you found on the nutrition side, whether it's through your own performance? Because you mentioned that your own performance started to increase when you started to focus on certain things. And then a step further, what do you have learned from that and now implement in your daily practice, um, whether it's your private practice or the um, jobs that you've had in the past now? Yeah, I, uh, I just take a huge emphasis on recovery. I think that's kind of my, my biggest thing. Um, because a lot of the sports, right. It's when you're in season, the schedule is so demanding your practice and game schedule. Think about basketball, baseball, even soccer. And at the youth level at soccer, we have two, two games, sometimes maybe three games if it's like a shorter tournament, Mm -hmm. um, a day. So you, that recovery and that prep for it's interesting. Cause even though it's like before the game, right. It's prep for recovery because you want your body to be um, f- like fully fueled uh, to not only get you through one game, but multiple games. And then that immediate recovery, like immediately after the game, um, getting those shakes in or getting the, the any sort of like supplements that you might need in um, and most importantly, getting a meal in <laughs> right after those games to get you ready for, um, to get your body ready to, and recovered for, for either practice or game the next day. Um, the turnaround is so quick that when athletes don't take care of their bodies or kind of put that on, on a back burner, that's when you are at higher risk for injuries. You're not, it's, it's sports nutrition isn't as easy as calories in calories out. But that is one way to think about it, right? If you're burning so many calories in a highly competitive game um, and not taking care of your body after, then you're at a loss and you're losing muscle mass. Um, your your uh, body's just not recovering, right? So it's at a deficit. And so um, it puts you at higher risk for for injuries or just um, improperly getting ready for, for your next activity. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that actually has been running through my mind lately because we had talked about um before recording like we both have a zillion projects we're like running around like crazy and obviously you and i both know the importance of recovery yet we don't always prioritize it um and i had this thought come up yesterday of thinking of recovery like a bow and arrow and the more we get gritty with the recovery piece the more tension we're loading that arrow to then shoot further in advance yet so many of us are just kind of like half-assing the recovery part and Mm -hmm. it's showing in our efforts because it's just like okay well like he's just he's playing okay in this next game and it compounds both good and bad we have that option of like where do we want this to go if we constantly have crappy nutrition then like yes in a game or in a day when we have a tournament we're going like three different you know games by the time we were ending up the third game, we're probably not playing at the same ability that we were playing to start. Of course. How how have you started to get athletes to buy in to the nutrition piece? Because I think that is kind of a challenge, like coming from the swim background. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, I was like, I could eat whatever I want. Like this is amazing. Right. How do you get people to buy into like seeing the importance of making swaps and changes? Right. In our field, it is so important to kind of build those relationships and, uh, 
and build that trust. Because if I just go in front of an athlete and start just spitting nutrition science uh, facts at them, they're going to be like, okay, like I've been doing this way longer than you have. Right. Um, you have no idea. What you're, <laughs> like maybe, you know, what you're talking about, but that just doesn't apply to me because I can literally eat whatever I want and I still play and I've been playing fine. Um, it's, it's building those relationships and that trust and kind of giving them examples and, and making it very personal to them, right. Making smaller changes, right. It's not like, Oh, I'm not going to go up to someone and be like, your diet is, is trash. Like start over. Don't do any of that. It's like little adjustments, things that they like. Um, and it's interesting because at the, the higher levels, um, taste kind of comes, comes secondary. It's like, mm-hmm. if this will help me perform better, right. If it's, if it's a bench player and you're like, this might help you like start, then they're willing to try whatever they, they can. Um, and so taste kind of comes secondary, which is, which is interesting. Um, the biggest thing that you see with in the athletic community, which is ironic is they're just not eating enough. Athletes just usually aren't eating enough as much as they need because their demands on the demands on their body are so high and they're, um, their muscle mass is so much greater, right. Than the average person. So, uh, muscle mass is highly, highly metabolic. So it's using more calories. Um, just having muscle on your body uses more calories. And so they don't, they don't really register that. So kind of explaining these little things to them as it applies to them, um, rather than speaking more generally. And then again, like making, making smaller changes, I think is, is really important. Yeah. I think it's the, unique challenge that your job provides is like, yes, you can spit the textbook facts to these people, but yeah, it's getting that initial buy-in of like, right. Yeah. And it's so hard because there's so much information out there, right? There's documentaries out there. And so they'll watch these, these things or they'll, they'll read something or read headlines and then come to you and be like, you told me one thing, but this is telling me something completely different. And it's just like, it's again, that trust, right. If they trust you, then they'll come to you more so than they'll, then they'll come to these like non-evidence-based sources that are, that are out there that are, unfortunately we have to compete with. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the other thing that really stood out to me when you were like, yeah, taste doesn't really matter. It's secondary. Like there is a phase where I turned, I mean, my background is in exercise physiology, concentration biomechanics. So I nerded out on that stuff. Right. Dabbled a little bit in sports nutrition. And I remember like reading like beetroot juice was amazing for an endurance athlete like myself. Mm-hmm. So I was literally taking like shots of straight beetroot right. juice, which tastes for those listening exactly like dirt. It tastes yeah. exactly like what it <laughs> sounds like. Um, but to your point, I was like, well, if this just marginally increases my ability to deliver oxygen to my muscles while I'm working at a high capacity, like, I don't care if it tastes like right. dirt. Like, I want to try it. Right. How, how have you combated the, the myth, quote unquote misinformation or just the overwhelm of information out there? Because, I mean, you mentioned documentaries like um, Game Changers was obviously right. a big one in the past year or two that mm-hmm. kind of moved uh, throughout not just sports nutrition, but nutrition as a whole, how do you kind of navigate that? Yeah, I don't, you, the one thing I learned is you can't, you can't be like, you can't really tell someone not to do something. Right. Because if if you tell them that they, they're still going to do it, they're still not going to listen. They're they're still going to do it. So my whole thing with with that was, all right. I mean, try it. See, see how you feel. Right. Maybe, maybe you will feel great. Um, maybe if it's someone, you know, if someone that never eats fruits and vegetables and now they're, they're vegan, um, 
it's funny to see them experiment with that because now they're eating foods that they either don't eat or they're only eating like fried foods, right. Or, or something that's going to make them feel really crappy. So either way, like it's, it's um, interesting to experiment with. Obviously I tell them like, if it's in season, we're not really trying anything new. And that that's really important. Um, uh, just because that can have such a detrimental impact if it, if it goes poorly, but, um, it's, it is, I mean, you have, you, we eat, we have to eat every day. Right. So there is room to experiment with, with, um, certain things, um, which is the really fun part about my job, I think is, is kind of seeing how people react to certain foods or, um, seeing people try new foods, which is, which is always exciting. Um, but like I said, I won't ever tell someone not to do something unless I'm like sure that it's going to be very detrimental to them, but something like, um, like a change in diet or something that, it's totally fair, fair for them to try. Then we, we talk about it. We see how they feel. Um, and the main thing with that is right. If you have a football player going fully vegan, it is very hard to get like 5,000 calories from, um, from, or not even the calories, but more so the protein needs Mm. from, from, uh, plant-based protein sources, just because the, the absorption of it is a little different. Um, it can be done, but if it's, it's very hard with the volume of food that they need to be eating. And so kind of explaining that to them, it can be done, but you have to be so on top of it. Um, and they'll do it for like a week or two, or maybe even a little longer and then they fall off and then we kind of have to talk about, um, other things. Right. So it's, it's, it's fine for them to experiment with, with different, different things. If they're, if it's like new juice or new, um, new supplement, obviously supplements are, are a little tight, tighter controlled because of, um, the, the regulations around them in the, in the, the sports setting. But, um, if it's something that's safe and they, they want to try it, if they're going to try it either way, um, again, it comes back to that trust, right. I'm, I want to know about it. So I'm, I'm not going to like push them away because then the next time something new comes up, they're going to be more hesitant to tell me. Um, and so I'd rather know than kind of push them away. Like I said. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I like that approach of like you wouldn't overhaul someone's athletic technique mid season and the diet is going to be no different, right? Exactly. Make such a drastic change. Would you more recommend like waiting until post competition, like decompressing off season to really take a deeper dive into that overhaul or yeah like especially if it's something a a greater change they want to take right if it's weight loss weight gain or um any any like drastic change in diet i try to stay away from doing that in season Mm -hmm. um like smaller foods or supplements or things here and there um are fine but nothing like the day before a game or nothing the day of a game, right? That's, that's the last, that was the last thing we need. Um, going into a game, feeling all, uh, feeling like your routine's all, all messed up. So, um, and I'm sure, you know, as an athlete yourself and working with athletes, you know how much we like our routine, yeah. um, that game day routine and things like that. So that's the last thing we want to change really. You're, you're telling me that like pasta, car, pasta party, uh, carb loading the night before it wasn't uh, the best thing for me growing up. <laughs> That's, that's not true. I mean, you definitely, definitely need carbs, uh, especially as a swimmer, as an endurance athlete, right. You need, you need that energy. Um, but every sport is different. So again, it's like, it's getting them to understand that and getting them to understand that I, I know that. And, Mm. uh, the diet for one, even one person isn't the same as a diet for another. Um, 
for sports like like football where there's so many different positions right yeah uh, one position shouldn't be sh- someone one position to diet shouldn't look like um someone from a, from a different position so um yeah I was about to say that. individual I like I'm a huge advocate for individualized nutrition and like custom customizing dietary plans and, and things like that because it can't be general and I think a lot of that misinformation out there is highly generalized and mm-hmm. so again getting them to really understand that right if there's a an influencer or someone out there that's as preaching something um that just might might not be the right move for you yeah I think it's I mean it's important to see see those things and just kind of take it with a grain of salt when you see information especially when it's something in the lines of like what are you fueling your body with to your point like the variation even within sport like your running back your wide receiver and your like linemen are obviously all going to be on different you know nutrition plans um so taking that information with a grain of salt is huge of course um i want to get into the weeds a little bit with recovery with you um Mm -hmm. that is your specialty um what have you found i hate saying yeah we're talking about it needs to be individualized let's go with a general topic here (laughs) what have you found to be kind of non-negotiables when it comes to recovery nutrition for just the everyday athlete yeah go ahead it's (laughs) yeah i think a lot of people don't realize the importance of carbs post post training or post game um it's really a at, at least a three to one Mm -hmm. Um, ideally like a two to one ratio of carbs to protein. So, um, people will immediately after I get in their whey protein shakes and eat a lot of protein, which is great, right? You need that, that muscle recovery. But, um, if we're talking about that turnaround, we still need to be, um, putting in like energy into our body. So we, we need those carbs as well. And so I think that that gets lost, um, with all the protein talk for, when it comes to recovery. So that balance is really crucial. Um, and then a lot of like anti-inflammatory measures, especially if, it, if you're in season or if um, it's preseason, you have like two a days or really hard trainings and things like that. Um, those, those are really important to, to, to do as well. Just, just as, you know, sleep is important to recovery, right? So is healing your body. Um, and I think that unfortunately that gets lost. People think like training, train, train, I'm going to get better. But um, that, that repetition, um, is going to be pretty demanding on your, on your body and your muscles and your joints. Um, so getting in, uh, you know, the collagen when necessary or the Mm -hmm. turmeric or, um, making sure that you're meeting all your, your, uh, nutrient levels. Uh, I'm obviously a huge advocate for food first, um, making sure that you're getting all the calories that you need and, getting a nutrient dense diet in, but, um, for athletes talking, talking about athletes specifically versus the general population is very different because their calorie needs, like I said, are so much higher. Um, and so making sure they're getting calorie dense foods while also getting in the, the, um, micronutrients that they need, right. Their vitamins and minerals. And so looking at someone's diet overall and saying, okay, unfortunately, like it's, you're not getting in certain vitamins and minerals. So we do need to add supplements here and there, but not just giving it to, to everybody. So that's where that individualization comes in. Um, a female athlete, a female track athlete or a swimmer, um, 
is at higher risk of certain deficiencies than um, say a male like offensive lineman, right? So yeah. <laughs> um, really taking that into consideration um, while they both still need food, like an, uh, somewhere between 45 minutes, like around 45 minutes after any training, um, what that food looks like, the composition of it um, will vary based on gender, sport, age, um, training regimen and things like that. So really that's like where the individualization comes in, whereas the actual components of the food Mm-hmm. is pretty much similar. I like that. I like the um topic that you brought up there of like people are train train train. Like that's the mindset of right. um an athlete, right? We struggle to sit down, we struggle to just of sit still or we got to be in motion always. Especially so, student athletes too. I mean, we were both there, right? It's like yeah. you have training and then you have class immediately after because you have to build your your class mm-hmm. schedule around your training. So I would barely have time to shower, let alone like pick up something to eat. So that's where the bars and um, like ready-made drinks come in handy and and things like that. And that's when at the collegiate level where a strong like nutrition department is very beneficial or at the, Mm -hmm. obviously the pro level strong um, nutrition department is super beneficial and making sure that those things are ready. Like when I was working at the pro level on, we would have a table set up on the way, um, back into the locker room from from practice because they were running to meetings or they were just ready to leave right they were ready to leave the facility so um having those like protein shakes or bars or fruit whatever it may be ready and easily accessible for them to just pick up it's it's way obviously we know it's the convenience is so important as well um and so making it as easy for these athletes as possible is is kind of the first thing on my mind I think which it should be because I mean to that point of especially when you're in that student athlete shoes we don't want to be told like hey nutrition like you should be really doing this you're like right. another thing I have to be right. doing exactly exactly um so to make it as simple as possible would love to get your opinion because I have my own opinion about them muscle milk like mm-hmm. I think it's trash I'd be curious of what your opinion on muscle milk is because that that was at least at Delaware, like what was always being passed out. And when I, my gripes with it was like, we got it after a two hour intensive swim practice. And we mm-hmm. also got it after lift. And I was like, I think we should be fueling with two different things here, but would love to get your expert opinion on it. Yeah. I think that's, that's tricky. Um, I'm in no position to like turn down any any brands or anything like that but I think my take on it is always like is it that versus nothing because then if they're not feeling at all like I would rather right that's that's protein and carbs that they're getting in and so um whether the what while the quality might um be subpar to maybe some other brands that are out there it's it's a product that they're getting in. And if that's what the school can afford, then um, that's better than, than nothing, in my opinion, just like regular chocolate milk, right? A lot of schools just give out chocolate milk or something like that. So um, it's really, like I said, like obviously I want nutrition departments around the country to, <laughs> to have the most money and, and um, higher budgets and things that there's so many fun things that we can do for and like very beneficial things we can do for these athletes. But yeah. um, the budget usually isn't there. So again, if it's that versus nothing, then um, that's the way that we will we'll have to go. 
Yeah, no, that makes total sense. When because, like I said, like like you, sorry, I cut you off, but the if you're going from swim practice straight to class or going home, Mm -hmm. then we don't really know what those, if anything, if they're going to eat anything or drink anything, right? If they're, um, that's a a time that we have to capitalize on as dietitians um, for the athletes. So. Yeah, if they're if if that's kind of the recovery drink of of choice, um, then it's 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 a it's a right option. <laughs> I was about to say it was usually that or a Chick Fil A breakfast after morning practice. Well, there you go, there you go. So <laughs> when you're comparing those two, exactly, exactly, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think it's tricky because obviously you get into the weeds of it, and it's like you really got to go with what's the best available option mm-hmm. um, more or less is what I'm hearing. Right. It's total sense. What, um, what have you noticed as far as that bridging the gap between nutrition and mindset and that ability to, depending on what we're fueling our body, impacting our ability to make other choices in our life? Definitely. I mean, the foods we eat directly correlate how our body functions. Um, I think some people, people lose that, right? Because food is such a big part of our culture. Um, people love enjoying, like enjoying food. Um, it's, it's interesting because we can sit here and I'll talk about sports nutrition all day and that it's so science-based, right? It's like, okay, um, an athlete needs X amount of, we can get so nitty gritty with like individualizing nutrition based on the macros and then the micros based on body composition, all these things. But at the end of the day, food's meant to be enjoyed. Um, but doing that in a way that nourishes your body instead of uh, kind of co- like we want it to obviously compound, right. And, and be beneficial to us rather than um, impacting us in a negative way. And that goes not only for our muscles, but our, our brain and our mental health as well. And so um, the foods we eat affect our mood, um, just eating affects our mood, right? So thinking about all of these things, I I was a sociology major in college, and I think that's helped me a lot in my career because you look at these people as as humans and all these different elements to them. Um, when it comes to individualizing, again, like I said, we could be very science based, but then you really have to take a step back and say, okay, if I'm recommending, if I give someone a, a meal plan, I'm usually not giving them specific foods um, to eat. Rather, instead, I'm giving them kind of like number of different food groups that I want them to have throughout the day because demographics come into it, right? Location comes into it. Food access comes into it. Culture comes into it. All of these things um, play a role in, in people's food choices. And so I think it's, it's really important not to put more pressure. Obviously we want people to have a good relationship with food. So we don't want to put more pressure on, on food choices. Um, and when it comes to mindset, really thinking, I, uh, it's interesting because before, before we chatted, I had, uh, um, I had an opportunity to write for uh, a book called the winning mindset, which is very ironic, but it's, uh, (laughs) um, kind of elite it's, uh, strategies for elite performance, right. Or peak performance, sorry. Um, and the book is a bunch of different contributing authors kind of writing about, what a winning mindset means to them from the field that they're coming from. And so in nutrition, my, my uh, 
take on on that. And my chapter in that book really focuses on return on investment. So it's basically, we want to be performing at a peak peak level, whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur or businessman or whatever it might be um, really, or just like a person in society, right? We want to be always performing at, at our highest. And so um, fueling our bodies with the right foods and the right amounts uh, really plays a role in that. And uh, yeah, I think, I mean, to me, this is obviously, uh, this is my career, but the singular most important thing we can do to our bodies is put the right fuel into it because that then we're going to get the, the uh, results that we want, whether it be, um, you know, our digestive system functioning properly, right? Because we don't want to feel crappy. We don't want stomach aches and to feel crappy all day. So we want that. Um, we want our brain to be functioning properly, our muscles. And so all of these things depend on the nutrients that we put into our body. And I think people really lose focus of that. So, um, thinking about, I always say nourishment over sustenance, right? We can put sustenance into our bodies, right? There's foods out there that we can put in that'll just give us calories, but um, we really want to focus on not only the calories, but the, the nourishment that we get out of that food and the, the um, nutrients that come with it. So you can have an apple versus like a handful of chips, right? Mm. Um, that apple is providing you a lot more vitamins and minerals than they might be provide sometimes they might depending on how many chips you have right they might be providing you the same amount of calories but that apple is giving you um a lot more nutrients than kind of that that handful of chips would be so chips would be sustenance and then the apple would be kind of nourishment always focusing on on nourishment more than sustenance yeah i like that distinction there and i think too with the to add to the nourishment and talking about your roi your return on investment like constantly making those choices to nourish rather than just consuming garbage mm-hmm. um, right. over and over are going to yield long-term better results of course versus the substance and the chips are going to provide a very immediate instant gratification and i right. think that's why your human approach i love because if we don't address the psychological component there that's oh i i need the short-term nourishment like right now Mm -hmm. uh, that the chips provide me like that's what i'm seeking it's like well let's understand why right turn to that versus the apple that's gonna make obviously a a lasting impact of course i think um your bow and arrow uh, analogy earlier was was really good and i might might have to steal that but another analogy that i use um (laughs) pretty much on the daily is uh Imagine I gave you a house um, and I gave you, let's say, $2,500 a month um, as rent and also just, you know, covering all your um, your bills for that house, right? Internet, cable, water, heat, all that stuff. Um, and you're, you're living life. You're having a great time. Everything's going great. But then um, one month I come to you and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can only give you $1,700. And, um, you know, for that one month, you're probably going to be fine, right? It's not going to, you're probably able to pay your rent, um, but also you're not going to see the detriments of that um, too much. Uh, You're obviously going to have to sacrifice some things, right? But more so in the long term, that's going to affect you more. If I only give you 1700 every month from there on out, then you're not going to have, maybe you're going to have to make some decisions on what to sacrifice, right? 
maybe internet goes, maybe cable goes, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's, it's the summer and you're fine. You can get rid of the heat. Um, but also things are going to start to break down. You're going to need new light bulbs, new furniture, new X, Y, Z. So thinking that, thinking about that in terms of your body too, um, you have certain demands that your body needs, right? Whether you're an athlete or not, uh, your daily demands and kind of over, over time, your demands on that body, whether it be calories or macros, but also your micronutrients, your vitamins and minerals that you need. Um, you have certain demands that you have to hit. And if you're not doing that, mate, you're, you're, you know, if you don't do that for a day, you don't, it's fine, right? You might not have too much energy, but you're, you're not going to see detrimental impacts of it. But the more and more that you do um, not prioritize your diet, then you're going to start seeing greater impacts of that. And unfortunately, they're going to be negative impacts, right? It could be chronic health diseases or, um, or uh, injury risk, if you're talking about athletes and Mm. things like that. So your body sacrifices certain things to make sure that um, other things are prioritized. So um, that's another way that I like to to really point that out to athletes. And then it kind of makes more sense to them. I, lo- I love that analogy as well. Obviously, you're not talking about the LA housing market with uh, <laughs> just, just not just yeah numbers out there. I did used to live in LA. It was it I was about to say you wasn't like that. To the Texas lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Texas going up really fast too. <laughs> I love it. I love the uh, the way that you kind of break all this down. Uh, it's definitely, for pun intended, very digestible um, to understand. Okay. So. Um, before I ask where people can find you, I want to ask you the fast five, which are just quick one sentence, one word, uh, question or answers on your end. First one being what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming out to? Um, I'm not going to lie. I've been, I've been reading a lot more than, um, listening to, listening to podcasts these days. So, uh, book, I, the book I'm on right now is called breathe. Have you read that? have not it's um it's breathed by james nestor uh it's again talking about kind of that recovery aspect of it and kind of slowing things down and really uh obviously taking a breath and kind of like understanding uh understanding how to to fill in those gaps and kind of slow like i said it's, it's really about slowing down and kind of seeing things on a bigger picture um, and so I, I haven't gone through it all yet, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. I might have to check it out. Then you already answered the second question was what's the, your favorite, <laughs> the book? favorite book in the last year. Uh, is there another one that you would recommend as well? Um, as, uh, due to my field, I do read a lot more, uh, journals and, yeah. and, uh, science-based or sorry, um, uh, nutrition-based articles and so, um, their book really uh, been working on writing that chapter for my yeah. own book. So <laughs> hopefully when that comes out, I'll be able to, to read, uh, read that and see what all the other contributing, uh, authors contributed or, or obviously said about winning mindset in their own fields. It's interesting because they're, I'm excited. There are, I think, Olympians on there, coaches, um, entrepreneurs, and kind of seeing what a winning mindset means to, obviously, that's the name of your podcast, but kind of seeing what um, it means to everybody else based on their, their background is is super fascinating, which is another reason I wanted, I wanted to be on this, right? 
that's what I love about mindset is it means something to everyone else, um, means something different to everyone. Right. Number, number three is what's a quote that you live by? Eat your colors. You know that? <laughs> I love it. I, uh, yeah, I always say, um, well, I went to, I went to school in New York, obviously lived there for like nine years and, um, I don't know how much time you spent in New York, but, uh, we like to wear uh, a lot of like, well, black, white, a lot of neutral colors. So a funny little slogan I, I came up with was, uh, eat your colors, don't wear them. Um, really focusing on again, obviously a lot that we've talked about here, but, um, get, making sure you, you get your fruits and veggies in and, and, uh, and the more we can do that, the more we can guarantee that we're hitting uh, those micronutrient levels that, that we need. Yeah, absolutely. That color diversity, I feel like is uh, often overlooked. For sure. For sure. Because think about that. it, if you're eating the same things or the same colors every day, then you're only getting those nutrients in, right? And so your body's naturally going to be at a deficit for, for something else. So the more we can eat a variety of foods, um, whether it be colors or not, right? Be eating a variety of foods, then the more we can guarantee that we're getting uh, a lot of different nutrients into our body. Yeah, I love that. Number four is what's one thing that you can't live without? Um, water. <laughs> I always have. I always have a water bottle with me, um, making sure I'm hydrating as well. Always, I'm carrying a water bottle with me. Perfect. Spoken like a true dietitian so yeah. far. That was yeah, this wasn't planned. <laughs> what's um what's number five is what is your one word focus at this point in time? My one word focus? Yep. Um one word focus. Um I think it would have to be, I don't know what the word would be, but really focusing on, like I said, like that individualization, um, really taking people as, as they are, whether it be nutrition or just like in my social life, right. Um, taking them as an individual instead of, and like really trying to understand a person, um, uh, before having any sort of, uh, like conversation with them is, is really important. I think, um, obviously in my career, it's so important to understand um, them as a human, uh, rather than just like their role on the field or, or, um, whatever role that might be, um, really understanding someone's background and how it impacts them. I think that's something that's always intrigued me and helps in my field. So, yeah, I think it helps in any field human first. for sure, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and that comes that. back to mindset as well, right. Understanding yeah. how someone's background directly impacts what their, their actions and their, their mindset really is. Um, and so putting those two things together are really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, but I want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. Uh, the human first approach I think is much needed and it's very refreshing to see other people on that mission as well. So I appreciate the time. I can't wait to read your, not just your chapter, but that whole book in general, where can those listening in keep up with you, all the projects that you're doing and all the good that you're putting out into the world? Yeah. Um, the best way would be on, uh, the Instagram for my private practice. It's called to whom nutrition, T O H U M, um, nutrition. And, uh, that that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me as well for anyone that needs to, or wants to. Awesome. And we'll have everything else linked below in the show notes. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Enjoy no, it was a pleasure. Day. Thanks for having me. 
Appreciate you joining us today. Habit change, especially around nutrition, becomes easier when we have accountability in our lives. I encourage you to share this conversation with someone close to you and form an accountability pact to continue to grow together. Remember, together we can go far. If you can change your mindset, you can change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you on Monday as we break down HRV and how it relates to our daily optimal performance. Let's win the week.